We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Tyrese Halliburton, and you're listening to Setting the Pace. everybody welcome back to another episode here of setting the pace i'm joined today by evan sidery of basketballnews.com he's been a familiar voice on this podcast over the busy summer for the indiana pacers a lot leading up to the deandre eight and stuff that eventually did not materialize but evan is here in indiana now and he is covering the team for basketball news and the nba in general so evan thanks so much for coming on man i appreciate the invite alex and i appreciate you saying like i like i'm back in indiana um, originally from here i had the opportunity to come back to indiana full time so i jumped at it and being able to cover this team it's a new vision i mean i was at the press conference that we'll get into more with kevin pritchard but the vision i keep hearing about this team just it, it seems like a breath of fresh air in the organization and it's gonna be kind of cool to cover them from the ground up here yeah no exactly i mean i thought that was kind of different that kevin pritchard did this little press conference with just the media members before actual media day. So kind of cool. I mean, maybe they've done this before, but I can't recall this ever happening. So good to hear from KP finally get a little bit of a, you know, state of the team type of thing where we can figure out what's going on. So you were there yesterday, obviously, but before that uh, you had a report that was out about a week or so ago that the Pacers had interest in bringing James Johnson and Langston Galloway onto the team. And now it is official from the Pacers Twitter account uh, and website that they have signed both of them. So talk to me a little bit about the thought process into bringing on these veteran players uh, for a rebuilding team. Yeah, so from what I heard, I uh, spoke to a team source last week about this, and it, it really is just all about just having a veteran in the locker room. I see they want to have someone that's not really going to complain about having a small role. James Johnson kind of fills that. He's a tough guy as well. Langston Galloway, he's on an Exhibit 10 deal, so he could just be a guy that's just around for training camp as an extra body. But as Tony East reported, I believe it was a couple of days ago, of Forbes, he mentioned it's an Exhibit 9 for James Johnson. So that means he, 
he should be on the roster opening night. That mm-hmm. it allows them flexibility there to if they make like a two plus one or three plus one trade, he's easily waivable in his contract there. So it kind of just seems like a short term option there. But it, it really seems like to me, from what I've heard, is just about getting more veterans in there because this surprisingly, I mean, compared to most years, as you know, Alex, the Pacers now are one of the youngest teams in the NBA. So right. to have just some veteran in the locker room there who knows he's been on the block, like a James Johnson, like a Langston Galloway for these young guys to kind of get mentorship from and just bounce advice off of, it's never a bad thing to have those type of guys in the locker room because they're not going to be a problem. They don't care about their role. They're just trying to be there and help out the young guys, and that's exactly what they're going to do. Yeah, I said this on the last podcast, and I thought it was kind of interesting because looking at James Johnson, you know, this is a guy that's been in the league for a while, and we've heard from different veterans talking about the league wants to go younger. They want to get rid of the veterans and what they bring to the table, bring in young guys for them, but – you know, James Johnson being, like you said, on this Exhibit 9 deal where it's a veteran deal, uh, you know, veteran minimum, non-guaranteed. I'm not sure the details of the Langston Galloway contract, but assume it's probably similar language, if not Exhibit 10, whatever. I, I think it's interesting to say the least, but you're right. This team needs veterans to kind of lead and guide them through a rebuild because there's young players that need help in, in understanding how the game works in the NBA because it's a totally different dynamic than when you're playing in college or overseas or whatever. So definitely agree with the Pacers' direction moving forward with bringing in some veteran guys like that. But I also like, like you said, the the roster flexibility because of these non-guaranteed contracts. So even if they're on the 15-man roster, if the Pacers make a trade where there's a two-for-one or something similar to that, they don't have to release a player like a Kendall Brown or a Terry Taylor or one of those guys to make room for the trade to happen. So this is where it comes into play where you're kind of keeping that 15th roster spot open, but you're using it in a different way than the Pacers have done before. Absolutely. Yeah. It really just seems like really the main buzzword from Kevin Pritchard yesterday and just speaking to people in the front office as well. Optionality is (laughs) huge right now for them. It's about future flexibility, draft picks, young guys, kind of just embracing this full-scale rebuild and just having these sort of different options on the table, like using the 15th man for a veteran that could just be a short-term thing. Like, these are not really things that were explored a couple of years ago. And I just think it's kind of interesting that Indiana's kind of flipping that page, kind of using different maneuvers to improve their roster, whether it be short-term or long-term lens. So I think it makes a lot of sense, especially a guy like James Johnson, too. Like, the Pacers, watching from afar the last couple of years, they needed, like, a grizzled veteran, especially a guy like a tougher wing. James Johnson, as we all know, is well past his prime, but he's just a guy where in case of emergency, if you need someone to guard a bigger wing on rosters, and nowadays so many teams have them, I think he's a guy you can throw in there at a pinch and see what happens. Yeah, so I would say that we've talked quite a bit about some guys that probably aren't going to see the floor. Um, Now we get into some interesting stuff because you said it, you were there yesterday at the press conference with Kevin Pritchard. He spoke with you guys for about 20 to 25 minutes. Really good to hear from KP. I think he's always got some interesting comments to say. And one of the ones that was really interesting to me was him talking about Miles Turner. Um, What was the exact quote that he said on Turner? Because I don't want to misquote it, but how did you feel about the Pacers' relationship with Turner after hearing this quote? Yeah, so I have the full quote right here. And uh, for those curious, I wrote a story in basketballnews.com by the time you listen to this, uh, just about the whole Kevin Pritchard press conference. You want to go check it out. But here's the entire quote for Pritchard on Miles Turner. Quote, I sat down and talked with Miles for an hour, hour and a half the other day. It was a heart to heart. I don't want to tell you exactly what was said, but I'll give you the crux of it. And that is a super excited about playing with Tyrese. I think he wants to play the five exclusively. 
I think he wants to be a defensive monster. I think that he's okay playing deep roots here, but you know he's going to be a free agent next year. There's a lot of things that can change. What we think can happen today isn't something we know is going to happen tomorrow. This is the most dynamic business in the world. And he refused to comment about what exactly took place with those conversations about an extension either. So just the way that that quote ended to me, Alex, I mean, it, obviously he's excited about playing with Tyrese. We know he wants to play the five. He's a great rim protector. But he mentions he's going to be a free agent after this year. A lot of things can happen. We don't know what could happen tomorrow. It just seems like kind of like the end of that quote there is kind of just relaying to you like, yeah, he's excited, but we kind of know the rags in the wall here with his future because he went into it more later on in the presser. But this this team is entering this full-scale rebuild. He doesn't want to use the word rebuild, but I, I just think Miles Turner is a guy where you can flip it for an asset or two, and that's what they want to do right now. And I don't think Miles wants to be a part of a rebuild himself either. No, and that's what I've always been kind of looking at too. It's like this team is going into rebuild into a rebuild. Miles Turner is 26 years old, going to be 27 this season. He wants to prove that he is, uh, you know, a playoff caliber center, not a guy that's constantly on a team that's barely making the playoffs or that's rebuilding. So I understand that. Now, one of the funny things about the way Kevin Pritchard phrased this uh, this comment here. It was all, he wants to play with Tyrese. He wants to play exclusively at the five. He wants to be a defensive monster. It wasn't a, we want to see him play with Tyrese. We believe that he can be a defensive monster as, you know, playing the five exclusively. Like, it was nothing the Pacers said. It was more so like he was starting it back of, oh, this is what Miles wants. And then he casually throws in there, but he's going to be a free agent. So we can't really determine that. Well, you can if you give him an extension that he wants. So I felt like it was very open-ended and I felt like he said that last year in December with Jared Weiss after they had lost that game to the heat and kind of had that interview there where he just said all this nice stuff about miles, but then he followed it up with saying, but he'll be a free agent in two years. So to me, it just felt once again, non-committal from Kevin Pritchard on miles Turner. There's been a lot of stuff that happened in the off season. So just feels like the writing's on the wall. I don't know if you feel that same way, but uh, I know some fans were excited about hearing this, especially when they heard the deep roots part. But, you know, it was all that's what Miles wants. It never said that's what the Pacers want. A hundred percent. Yeah, I read the exact same way you do, Alex. And we'll get into this later in the show, but they are so high on Jalen Smith. They are so high, especially on Isaiah Jackson, where I just think you want to play those young guys so many minutes together, I think, this year. And Miles is kind of blocking that at this point. I, and Miles is a great player for sure. He's a one of the best rim protectors in the NBA. He's a modern NBA big kid on really any NBA roster. But it just I just think the timelines don't match up here, unfortunately. I mean, we've seen this this team. Demon- Sabonis got traded. Malcolm Brown's at the door. Miles is kind of the last guy left here. I, I think it's just kind of the writing on the wall here. And overall, you you just think why I don't, I don't from Miles's perspective too. I don't know why he'd want to be a part of a rebuild either because, like you mentioned, Alex. He's a guy that wants to prove in the league that he is a valuable commodity this year, that he can be a versatile player that can fit in a playoff setting. Because so far in his career, he hasn't shown that. I think he wants to prove that the doubters wrong. And I don't think he's going to be able to do that consistently in Indianapolis. I think it's probably going to be somewhere else, whether it be be a trade this year or be as a free agent in the summer. So if I had to make a prediction, I don't think Miles Turner makes it through the season. I think eventually the Pacers are going to trade him. We'll see exactly how that happens and what the value would be there. But I would say the percentage chance that Miles Turner is with the Pacers in 2023-24 is about 10% for me, in my opinion. Yeah, and speaking of 10%, that's what Kevin Pritchard felt like they had the chances of getting Jalen Smith back. So don't rule it out. 
<laughs> if you're if you're hopeful that Miles could return, but it doesn't seem very likely. I feel like, you know, it's one of those things where you kind of just have to read the writing on the wall. Like, how did the Aiton situation impact Miles long term? He didn't show up to camp uh, or the voluntary workouts until just recently. Neither did Buddy healed while everybody else has been there. So, I mean, they've been involved in a ton of Lakers rumors as well. So it just feels like. If you're trying to take off your rose-colored glasses, if you're a big Turner or Buddy fan, you have to realize, okay, maybe these guys don't make the most sense for the team, but they do have decent amount of value where the Pacers feel like they can get something back for them in this rebuild. So let's move on, though. Jalen Smith, you brought him up. I want to get into this because this is a really special player. Chad Buchanan was raving about him Wednesday on the radio show with Kevin Bowen, Jay Query, uh, Kevin and Query, the morning show on 107.5 The Fan. And I really enjoyed what he had to say about him. But listening to Pritchard talk about Jalen Smith, talk to me a little bit about how he feels about him and his ceiling. Yeah. I mean, speaking to people in the front office about this and obviously Kevin yesterday too, I mean, I think they're still shocked that, that honestly Phoenix did the deal they did, giving up Jalen Smith and that deal for Torrey Craig and throwing in a second round pick on top of that too, where obviously Jalen Smith, he was a very raw player, didn't really get much of an opportunity in Phoenix. But to be able to go into a situation, have that confidence, and be empowered by the Pacers front office, by the organization, to kind of play his own game. Obviously, Tyrese Halliburton helped out a lot there too. But to kind of bet on himself to sign in the long term with the Pacers for another three years, I think it says a lot about just what they think of Jalen Smith as a player. And like you mentioned, Chad Buchanan on Kevin Inquiry mentioned he wants to Put, bring the ball up the floor a little more. He's improved as a shooter. I perfect temperature yesterday. He's gained about five pounds of muscle. So this mm. this is a guy to me where it's he's probably for a big year, a very big year. And Pritchard even mentioned yesterday he's he loves the fit, which um, potentially however long maybe with Miles Turner and Jalen Smith because Jalen can stretch the floor and like Sabonis, where you have two guys that can space the floor. You have two great rim protectors. I think Jalen Smith's kind of underrated in that aspect around the rim. And he mentioned, too, his perimeter defense can be very important this year. He's going to be out, out there a lot playing the four. And I think he can hold up there. He's a little bit rough here and there. But if he's improved, improved his lateral mobility, Alex, he could be a guy that be, becomes your long-term four there. I think he fits very well next to like Isaiah Jackson, too, if, he, if, if he's the long-term five as well. So Jalen Smith, all indications are from what I heard yesterday, very high on him. He's made a lot of stride this summer. And it's kind of the thing I heard a lot yesterday with a lot of these young guys, Alex. And that should make pitch fan excited. It's where – a lot of these guys are taking huge steps forward in the offseason. And that's something that I think maybe fans won't realize this year in the win-loss column. But when you look at the internal development, that's what they're prioritizing this year. It's about player development over wins and losses. And that's not going to sound fun for Pacers fans who are used to this team winning a lot and going to the playoffs. But from a long-term perspective, if these guys take strides this year, like a Jalen Smith, it's going to pay huge dividends in about two to three years down the road for them. Yeah, I, I completely agree with that. And I, I think just looking at this upcoming draft class, like Pacer fans might be sad in the moment to be rooting for losses, but come come the draft next June, if the Pacers, or even in May when the lottery hits and the Pacers have a chance to get the number one pick and they got a better percentage than they've had ever in their in their lifetime, I think that should make you more excited uh, than anything because I, I think the Pacers are just in this situation where they're kind of in the middle uh, uh, in terms of pleasing fans because some fans are not used to this, right? Some fans are so set on, we got to try to be competitive. Who wants to watch a losing team? But if you look at it as development instead of losing, I think that's a good way to approach this season. But 
you know, the person that we probably haven't talked about enough is the leader of this team. That's Tyrese Halliburton. And, you know, we know that the franchise loves him and it just kind of feels like what's the point of talking about him because we already know how they feel. But any any more insight on, on Tyrese maybe and how the front office views him moving forward? Yeah, I mean, I can tell just speaking to Kevin Pritchard yesterday that they absolutely love building a team, like building a vision around Tyrese Halliburton because he's kind of like a curveball nowadays in the NBA, Alex, because even Kevin Pritchard mentioned this yesterday to us, point guards nowadays are score first. They're not like the past first point guards we saw from 15, 20 years ago, but Tyrese is kind of a throwback version there, and he's a modern version of that throwback where all indications are they think he's going to be a 20-10 player next year. I mean, he has the ultimate green light. They're building a team around him. The pace of this team, they, all these young athletes around him, they're having fun doing this. I mean, they're having fun building a team around him where not only is Tyrese accentuating the young guys, but these young guys are going to help out Tyrese at the same time. And uh, a quote from yesterday from from Kevin Pritchard, I, I want to ask him about Tyrese Halliburton, his growth and how he fits overall in their system. It starts with Tyrese. Don't get me wrong. That's what he was mentioning, his ability to make plays for others. But he mentioned as well, they don't want to put too much pressure on Tyrese next year. They want to make it core like a team effort with these young guys, like a Jalen Smith, like a Miles, however long he's there. Benedict Matherin as well. Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson. It, obviously, Tyrese is the face of the franchise. They're going to be building around him for hopefully the next 10, 15 years. But they don't want to put too much pressure on him. Because, I mean, I have a close-up example of this when I covered Phoenix up close the last six years. And I, I saw the beginning of Devin Booker's career. Booker and Tyrese really aren't kind of the same players. Because Booker's more of a score-first guy. Tyrese is more of that pass-first point guard. But... Devin Booker had a lot of pressure on him way back in 2016, 2017, and he didn't have much help help there. And it really kind of, I think, kind of took a toll on him physically because he got hurt a lot during those times. And I think that's kind of what Kevin Pritchard is mentioning here, where they're not going to put all the load on Tyrese because if you do that, he might get, get hurt. He might really kind of go through some shooting slumps here and there. But if you have the ideal balance with the Bennett Matherin alongside him or Chris Duarte to, to take the load off him more consistently, I think you're going to be seeing a player this year who – for, for, for all the right reasons, he's second right now in most improved player odds behind Anthony Edwards on DraftKings. He's a guy to me that I think could be a first-time All-Star this year. He might not be as because of the win-loss record, but he, he he's a guy to me, I'm really outlining Alex, where he could be a guy like in the NBA circles this year. He takes a huge jump, becomes a 20-point 10-assist player, and really that doesn't look back from there. I, I mean, the Pacers are so excited about him. Ken Pritchard is having a time of his life building a team around this guy. And that's what they've needed for a while. And I'll say this, like, I, I talked with a season ticket holder actually today, and they said they didn't renew their tickets for this upcoming season. They said that part of the problem is that the Pacers constantly keep trading away the team's best player, and it's just hard to root for a team that feels like, you know, they can't commit to their guys. And I said, well, I said, I think the, the Halliburton trade made a lot of sense. I, I think he's got the potential to be more special then DeMontis Sabonis, and, and they said, well, we'll see about that. So, yeah, it's cool to project, but like, you know, like the season ticket holder felt, like we, we got to see it first before we believe it. But I understand the sentiment. You know, you, you lose a guy like Sabonis, you lose Oladipo, you trade Paul George. All this stuff goes down. It's hard to want to invest in this. So, um, but personally for me, I think that Halliburton is the perfect guy to invest in. And a guy that actually had an article that came out today uh, in the Players Tribune, he wrote it himself, Benedict Mather. And um, I think these are two guys that are incredibly exciting to talk about and, and look forward to as them being a duo together for this team. Maybe not the one-two punch that's going to get you to uh, an elite level playoff run, but I think they can be a part of a one-two-three punch that gets you there. So 
Talk to me a little bit about Matherin and maybe some of the comments that they they had on Matherin yesterday. Yeah, Kevin Pritchard, he he mentioned Matherin a little bit on our uh, on our press conference yesterday, but I think honestly they are so excited about Benedict Matherin, not just his on-court presence, but Alex, I keep hearing consistently over the last month or so, just his mentality. I mean, he just galvanizes the team in the facility. He's a guy that has to be kept out of the facility. He's there all day. He wants to come in at night. It just sounds like a maniacal work ethic. This is a guy where you're betting on these traits with him. He's a super supreme athlete. He's a great shooter, kind of the best of both worlds there. Kevin Pritchard loves his athletes. Rick Carlisle loves his shooters. So you combine that together with a, a maniacal work that, that Benedict Matherin has, all indications are that he is passing every test so far. He's everything they expect him to be so far in Indy, and that's super exciting if you're a Pacers fan because if he hits right away, Alex, this could really take off here in the next couple of years. It won't show in the win-loss column right away, but you can't really find a better on-court pairing between Tyrese Halliburton and Benedict Matherin long-term because mm-hmm. Halliburton is going to set him up consistently. He'll be the guy that takes some shots here and there, but – I would not be stunned. I wrote about some basketball news about a month or so ago, but Benedict Mathurin could be a 20-point-per-game scorer right away. I would not be stunned by that just because mm. he has the green light, ultimate green light, I've heard, to really kind of have his his way. He might have a little bit of some bumps here and there, but he's a guy that loves to shoot. He's going to have all the opportunity in the world, and he has that mentality where he's not going to fail. Like, he's he's supremely confident. He's the guy I caught LeBron James after he got drafted. He can't wait to test him. So, like, you know exactly what kind of mentality he's going to have. And from all indications so far, from what I've heard, Alex, I mean, he's glowing reviews. I mean, from what I've heard, he's going to be the guy. If he reaches the expectations that have been set so far in preseason, he's going to be quickly become a fan favorite and quickly become a co-pillar alongside Terrence Halliburton for this rebuild. And that should make Pacers fans super excited. Yeah, no, I mean, he is so fun to root for already. Like, Reading that article, it's like you just you just get so excited thinking about the future of this guy being on your team. Like some people don't like the oozing confidence, the arrogance to him a little bit, but I personally love it. I think this Pacers team has a long needed someone that's got a little bit of chip to a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, a little bit of an edge to him. And Clearly. I think that Matherin is that perfect guy. Like, look, Tyrese Halliburton is a super fun, loving guy. Like, ain't nobody gonna say anything bad about him. And Tyrese isn't like super cocky. I feel like he's like honestly very, uh, very humble. It, it kind of show, shows when he talks, but he's also confident in his game. But he's not like this arrogant guy. And I think that Matherin kind of brings that swag to him. So I'm cool with it. I thought it was great that Chad Buchanan said when they play pickup and his team loses, he has to walk out of the gym because he's so upset about it. Like that to me is the kind of guy that I want on my roster because I know that winning and playing meaningful basketball matters to him so that means he's going to put the work in to showcase that he's not going to be some scrub that got picked at six and is out of the league after his rookie contract so that that to me has me excited as well but I do want to pivot to last year's draft picks Isaiah Jackson you kind of brought him up briefly and then Chris Duarte tell me a little bit more about what the Pacers feel they have in these two young players they drafted last year yeah Isaiah Jackson I'll start off with him first because Glowing reviews I've heard about Isaiah Jackson come out of the Pacers facility. And from what Kevin Pierce told me yesterday when I asked about Isaiah, just him kind of being just a multiple ball of clay, supreme athlete. He's kind of just learning his way in the NBA. What he told me was kind of jaw-dropping. Just He's mentioned Isaiah put on 15 to 18 pounds of muscle. So if that's the case and that's real, I'll see it on Monday in person. He's going to have a big-time leap this year physically, and he's going to hold up a lot more than he did last year. 
And he's doing a lot of freaky things I've heard on the court. Like he's bringing the ball up the court. He's dunking on people in practice. He's Ken Pritchard made sure to mention his quote. He's had multiple moments where the gym just stops when he makes a huge play. They're like, what in the world did we just see? He's he even mentioned that he's never seen anything like what he's seen with Isaiah Jackson. Just these kind of moments, these flashes. And, he, and if he puts it together consistently, they are extremely high on Isaiah Jackson to the point where I think that they believe he could be their long-term center. I, I don't want to go out there and put up myself on the limb with that just yet. But, I, I mean, I think he's a guy to me where all indications are internally from the, from the Pacers that they think he's the prime candidate for a full-fledged breakout this year. I think is by the time he reached like January, February, probably playing 30-plus minutes per game consistently because I think he's going to play his way onto the court in that manner. And when you have those traits that Isaiah Jackson does, that he has these freakish vertical leap. He has the ability to shoot from the perimeter as well. He flashed a little bit last year. If he puts it all together, Alex, I think people are going to be very, very surprised by how good this player could be. He's only 20 years old. Like He's just now putting it all together. And, and he could be a guy to me where – we look back in April and we're saying who's the most approved pacer and who has the highest upside on this team. I would not be stunned. If we said Isaiah Jackson, because mm. I mean, he's a guy to me where if he can shoot the ball, if he can defend the rim, like he did a little bit last year, and he's physically a lot more imposing. If he really did put on 15, 18 pounds of muscle, which I have no reason to deny Ken Pritchard saying that to us yesterday. I mean, he, he said, he mentioned they challenged Isaiah this offseason. Like you got to do this, 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 and this, and he's checked every box so far. And that's what's really exciting, too. Like, this young core for the Pacers, Alex, it seems like the front office and the coaching staff is challenging them to get better, and they're doing that on their own, which I think it speaks a lot of volumes for how good this young core is and how I think they keep themselves hold themselves accountable to that standard, which I think is kind of a rarity nowadays. I mean, covering the Phoenix Suns like I did in 2016-2017, they had to hold these, all these high draft picks, but they didn't really hold themselves accountable. And it seems like, from from what I've heard so far, like Matherin, Isaiah Jackson, Chris Duarte, obviously Tyrese Halliburton. These guys hold each other accountable in the facility, and that is what really brings a good culture together, and it brings together a good environment to work in. And I think Isaiah Jackson could be the biggest beneficiary of that. Wow. Yeah, no, I'm excited for the future of Isaiah Jackson. Isaiah Jackson, um, I still think he's, you know, I, I, will, I will say this without trying to be uh, disrespectful to him, but Miles Turner is just significantly better than Isaiah Jackson at this current moment. Mm-hmm. So Pacer fans that think Isaiah Jackson should potentially be starting over him right now, no, that's not the case. I mean, Miles Turner is still a very talented basketball player, even though you know the numbers might not showcase that he's an all-star level player. He's still a really good contributing player uh, for any team that he goes to. So with that being said, I'm, I'm still excited about Isaiah Jackson. I think he's going to have to continue to add muscle a little bit to him, um, get a little bit bulkier. We like, you know... <laughs> Uh, we like comparing centers to Joel Embiid because he is that dominant center in the Eastern Conference. But truth be told, like I feel like Bam Adebayo, like he struggled with him at times, but at the same time, his quickness and other things have given him fits. And you know, I love that Isaiah Jackson was able to block Joel Embiid's shot at least once in the, one of the last games of the season. I think it was the last home game of the Pacers season. He was guarding him and he blocked his jump shot. So it's like. That's the kind of timing that Isaiah Jackson has um, defensively with that kind of skill set. So, you know, there's a lot to be excited about there. So overall, though, I think one more thing that stood out to me with this press conference was Kevin Pritchard openly saying that he wants to add about 10 more picks. Um, Talk to me about his giddiness to try and just continue to like dive fully into what he won't call a rebuild, but it's pretty obvious it is somewhat of a rebuild. 
No, it's 100% a rebuild. I know Kevin doesn't want to say it, but it's 100% a full-scale rebuild going all the way down to the roots and the studs of this roster and kind of just restarting. That's exactly what's going on here. And him mentioning he wants to get those picks and he wants to use them in like whatever way possible, keep that option out of the open like I mentioned earlier. I mean, if you're like a Miles Turner or Buddy Heald, like, I mean, you probably are a little nervous if you hear him say that because, I, I mean, unless it's you trade Turner or Buddy or if you take on bad contracts because Ken Pritchard mentioned that as well yesterday that they are willing to take on salary to add on these picks too. So they, they seem very open publicly to being a team that's willing to facilitate, be a third, fourth team in a deal, take on a bad contract, get back a pick or two in, in place of that as well. So this Pacers team, I mean, it's really cool to see because, I mean, growing up in Indiana, it was never a situation where it was – they were doing something like this. It's been 30-plus years in the making where they were kind of treading water and Chad Buchanan, like you mentioned in the interview earlier, on Kevin and Query – that moment on New Year's with DeMar DeRozan where he hit that shot, I think was kind of the backbreaker. But long before that, I think the writing was on the wall for that core. And in kind of the way they're doing it, they're not kind of skipping steps here. And I think Kevin Pritchard also made that yesterday. Like they, they don't want to just be good and be a first-round exit consistently. They want to be a sustained success team. They want to be a team that's competing for titles year in, year out here very soon. So that that's what's really exciting. And I think, I mean, for a small market like Indiana, you have to have assets cap space draft picks especially and have this young core because that's really the best way to do it in a small market i mean cleveland's a perfect example of this too recently where you get evan mobley you get darius garland you hit big on those draft picks and you get jared allen via really a salary dump in that james harden trade and then you hit on get the big piece in donovan mitchell there so that's kind of think what the pace are going for here like a memphis a cleveland a phoenix where you have this young core in place you get all these assets in place and you just swing for the fences you keep going for these high draft picks you see what happens there. And if all goes well for them, I think they're in a really good spot two or three years from now. But every single person I've spoken to in the organization, it's a long-term plan. It's three, four, five years out. So Pacers fans need to be patient here because it's going to be a year or two or three of losing. But the long-term benefits of it, I think, will really pay off down the road. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what a lot of fans have been asking for for years. So now that it's here, like, let's embrace it. Let's, let's just – Get behind it. And I think the best thing that you can do to showcase that you are a fan of the way the Pacers are handling their business now is go to games. You know, tickets are probably going to be cheaper than normal. If they were to be a competitive playoff team, you're going to have people that might not care too much to make it to every game. Like I told you, like a season ticket holder already didn't renew his tickets, which I don't love hearing those kind of things. But, you know, that just means there's more tickets available for those that are interested. So, for me personally, I, I feel like this Pacers team is heading in the right direction. And Evan, I don't have too many more things to add, but my last question for you, and I feel like this is a guy that has not been talked about hardly at all this offseason, so uh, maybe you can shed some light on this if it was brought up and we just didn't hear it or whatnot, but O'Shea said didn't get in a contract extension, has one year remaining on his deal. What is going on with O'Shea? Do you think he's a part of the long-term plans of this team? Yeah, it's a really good question because I don't think O'Shea was even brought up yesterday. So that's something I'll bring up for sure on Monday. So I appreciate you bringing it up because that's a guy that's flown under the radar. I mean, you, you look at this young core, you don't really talk about O'Shea Bursett, but he's shown consistently the last couple of years. If you give him some minutes, he'll give you 10, 12 points per game. He'll fill up the rebounds. He's a good, okay defender. He can shoot the basketball as well from the perimeter. He's a guy to me that I think he, he's proving himself to be a piece off the bench. I don't know if he's going to be a long-term guy or not. Because this is really a big year for O'Shea. And Kevin mentioned this yesterday to us as well. But 
their rotation, I think this year is going to be pretty big. Maybe 10, 11, 12 guys. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't talk about that. And that could really open up minutes for O'Shea, but it also could really downsize it a little bit too, where it could be, he's played about 25 minutes the last two years, but it could be down about 20 or 18 this year, just based off how many guys they want to see good minutes. Like I, I would not be shocked at all if that's the case, because this is a young team that's prioritizing development. They want to see more of O'Shea, but they also want to see more of Kendall Brown. They, they want to see more of these younger guys that and see how they fit in this rotation as well. So I think O'Shea could fit into this team long-term. He definitely has showed last year a little bit. He fits well next to Tyrese Halliburton. And he really is an underrated player. I think he could fit on a lot of teams around the NBA. But it was kind of an interesting decision to me that they didn't, like, do the option this year. Like, why, why, I don't know why they didn't pick that up. Because now he'll be restricted this upcoming year instead. So that that's really curious to me. Maybe he could be a guy that's kind of a prove year for him. And that's maybe a good thing for a guy like O'Shea Brissett because he's been a guy – that really thrives off that pressure. So maybe he's a guy to me where he benefits from being in this position where it's a team that has a lot of young guys. They need to get these minutes, but maybe he kind of outshines that. He gets the production that he needs with Tyrese and the rest of the starters and kind of has a good year. I wouldn't be stunned by that. And then O'Shea really has flown to the radar this year, just thinking about it more and more. And he could be a guy that we look back on by the end of the year and say he's really proven himself to be a long-term piece here as well. Yeah, I think he's going to have to improve defensively to really sell himself to Carlisle, in my opinion. Just because last year, like at the beginning of the season, he played a few minutes here or there. He had a really good game against the Miami Heat and then kind of went back to the bench. And it didn't make a whole lot of sense. I know they brought in Torrey Craig, and he was kind of getting the minutes over him. And I get that. You're talking about a veteran that was just on a team that made it to the championship. But at the same time, like O'Shea Brissett was a really good piece for the Pacers after coming out of the G League. So overall, I I just hope and wish the best for him because I think – he just continues to get kind of swept under the radar a little bit. And, you know, Terry Taylor is another name out there that they keep bringing up. So I don't think he's not getting the love he deserves. But another name, um, and this will be my final last one for you here, Evan, before I let you kind of throw anything out there that I missed. But Goga Batadze, like what he did in Eurobasket, the whole incident with Korkmaz and all that kind of stuff. Don't really feel like we heard anything about that either uh, from the Pacers side of things. So did you get any any opportunity to ask those questions? I did not. Gogo was definitely not a, a topic of discussion, but he's a guy to me where I'll find out more this week on it. I'll ask about it for you. But I think he's a guy to me where I'd be stunned if his options not declined this upcoming year, where I think he, he's a guy to me where I just don't see a long-term future with Gogo here, especially with how – important Isaiah has become to their core and and Jalen Smith and Terry Taylor even as a small ball five I mean I, I don't think I don't see Goga even in this rotation next year to be quite honest and that's unfortunate because he was one of the guys you you bet on with Sabonis and Turner to be your potential long-term guy but he's just never developed he kind of stagnated after his rookie year there and it's hard for me to find a role for Goga on this team right now he might be the 13th 14th guy on the roster and it's hard for me to really see a good argument as to why I should play in this rotation over guys like I just mentioned, like Taylor, Isaiah, Jalen Smith, Miles Turner while he's here. It's hard for me to see minutes for him. He could be a guy we look like at the deadline. Maybe he could be flipped for like a second round pick or he's used as a salary filler in a trade because he deserves some playing time elsewhere, in my opinion, but it's not going to be in Indiana. I, I think it, that, yeah. that that ship is sailed, unfortunately, for Goga at this point. But when you look, I'm just looking at the roster right here, Alex, and all these young guys, just looking, we went through the main guys, obviously, but Chris Duarte as well. I've heard that he's a, a guy could be in for a huge breakout next year. He's looked reportedly one of the most impressive guys in the facility over the last couple of months. He's really taken 
a big leap this year. So he could be a guy to watch out for there. But Kendall Brown, like I mentioned, uh, obviously O'Shea Brissett, we talked about, Benedict, Isaiah, Aaron Neesmith as well. Like there's so many young guys in the minutes this year, and that's what they're going to be prioritizing. So I would not be stunned at all if we see guys like Goga Batadze or Daniel Tice not really play much minutes or maybe Buddy gets a reduced role this year because of Duarte's emergence. Like it's all about the young guys this year. And I know Pacers fans that are used to this team being a consistent contender aren't going to want to hear that, but I think this is what has to be done. Every small market team that goes through this works out in the end. They're comparing themselves openly to Memphis, to Phoenix, to Cleveland, where if everything works out via the draft, you're going to be looking at this in a couple of years and say, I'm so glad we did this. Mm -hmm. I think that's exactly what the, the goal is there. And at some point you're kind of hitting your head against a brick wall consistently for the last three or four years of this core. And I, I think it's good on them to finally realize that the, the time was the, now to pull the plug, slowly but surely rebuild it from the studs up. And so far, I mean, getting that move for Tyrese really changed everything. It, it really did because – I think they were kind of surprised that Sacramento did that deal. Still looking back on it, it's <laughs> about to get him for a bonus, just because I don't think they ever expect that to happen. I mean, they kind of had two deals fall in their lap at the deadline, where they didn't expect Jalen Smith to fall in their lap, they didn't expect Tyrese Halliburton to fall in their lap, and those two guys really help. Really, Tyrese is a whole different level than Jalen Smith, of course, but really helped set the course for the summer and for 2023, especially too. And I, I found it funny Kevin was openly talking about in our press conference yesterday about how there's seven, eight guys in the draft already they're looking at for next year. So, and the season has already, hasn't even started yet. So, I mean, that kind of tells you a lot about what they're focusing on. It's player development and it's about the draft moving forward here for them. So expect a lot of losses this year, but this young core, I mean, we should be grading this team off of player development. Like how did Benedict do for a two month span of the season? How did Tyrese improve? Did Jalen improve himself? How did Isaiah look? Like those are the kind of questions we're going to be asking this year instead of like the Pacers being a 22 and 60 team, for example, and fans be mad about that. It's really more just about the growth and development curve of these young core because that's really what matters most. Yeah, embrace the development because eventually, you know, I mean, Reggie Miller's team had to go through it. Um, you know, it was a rare situation, but like Paul George really got thrown right into the mix of a team competing for a while, but Danny Granger went through it. Uh, where he had to develop and kind of be the guy when, you know, maybe they were missing that guy like a Paul George. So that's kind of where I look at this team. And I just say, look, they were really dumb in that Danny Granger era when they were trying to recover from the brawl by bringing all these veterans in to be competitive, like JJ Redick referenced where they're stuck in the middle. And, and instead they're, they're saying, okay, we've Kevin Pritchard even said it. We don't even know if we have a core yet. They just have young pieces that they're very interested in. And yes, we can say they don't have a technical core, but uh, I think after next year's draft, you're going to start seeing that core come together. But at this point, it's a really exciting time to be a Pacer fan, Evan. I don't have anything else to add, but um, I'm going to give you the floor here. Is there anything else you wanted to say about your conversation with Pritchard or anything on the Pacers? No, I mean, just really circling all back here. I mean, I'm excited. That was my first really interaction with the Pacers. Uh, just being back here in Indiana was at that press conference Thursday. The, the staff super cool. I mean, I'm very excited to be back in Indiana. And it just seems for all indications from speaking to everyone there, I think everyone's excited about this too. I mean, it's just a new vision, a breath of fresh air for this team where they kind of were running in neutral for so long. And, and they kind of knew that. I think they kind of knew that it was time to do what they're doing now. And you can just tell the energy in the building is different than what it used to be. And, and that's what I think Pace Spence should be most excited about is that there's a vision now. It's not just... The goal wasn't just to make the playoffs and be a first-round exit. It's to really be 
a team that you build a core with and you hopefully become the next Memphis or Phoenix. And that's a really good goal to have. And honestly, what they've done so far from what I've heard about the core, how they're developing, I think they're off to a really good start. And I think 2022, 2023, especially the summer of 2023, that could be really the big time jump that they make, especially with the draft picks they have and potentially even more by the end of this year as well. Absolutely, man. So let everybody know where they can find you on social media. And once again, plug your upcoming article that covered everything that talked about this Pritchard uh, press conference. Yeah, you guys can go ahead and follow me on Twitter at Eastsidery, at E-S-I-D-E-R-Y. I'm in National NBA Report for BasketballNews.com, but as we've been talking about today, I'm back in Indiana, so I'll be actually covering a lot of Pacers events this year, so hopefully you guys follow along for that. But my story actually just went out about five minutes ago as we're recording, so if you guys want to go check it out, it's on BasketballNews.com, uh, main on the front page there. So I'm really excited to be bringing Pacers content more into the national scene this year. I think this team is actually really fun to follow. It's going to be a really fun league pass team for those that are really on the outside looking in for this Pacers team. But for Pacers fans wondering uh, about this team, I mean, from an outsider's perspective, now becoming more of this, like a person on the scene, it's exactly what needs to be done. I think it's exactly the right vision they're taking. I think it's going to be one that really bears fruit in the long term. Absolutely, man. Great stuff there from Evan Saturday, guys. Make sure you guys give him a follow on Twitter. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at setting the pace three. I'm at Alex Golden NBA. My co-host Mike Facci is at underscore F-A-C-C-I. We're on Instagram at Pacers Talk over on Facebook and TikTok at Setting the Pace. And of course, you guys know about our YouTube channel, Setting the Pace of Pacers podcast. Make sure you guys check out all of our content there. Subscribe where you can. And at the end of the day, if you're excited to be a Pacer fan, I got three words for you. Let's go Pacers. Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast. Sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop. Smooth. Mm -hmm.